Good morning. So uh, today, you get to join me in pulling up a chair to our family table, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, consumption and, and what God thinks about that. So to start, let's start in a word of prayer, and let's jump in. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you. We thank you for the gift that you've given to us of the knowledge and assurance that because of what your Son has accomplished for us, that because of what your Son continues to do in our lives, because of the grace that we have, been, that we have received, Lord, on that last day we'll be brought home with you. And Lord, we just ask that you would allow that knowledge, that you would allow this week in and week out opportunity for us to, to worship you, to fill us in such a way that it would, it would drive us forward to continue to help expand your kingdom in this community and as far as you would possibly see fit for us to reach. Lord God, we love you and we trust you, and it's in the name of your son Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So today, we're going to talk about stuff in your face. And uh, to get started, I'd like to take you back in time to uh, my college days, uh, my freshman year of college, uh, and 18, 19 years old, who was making all good decisions at that point? Awesome. Neither was I. Uh, Classes did not matter, even a little. Uh, I did not go to class. And by the end of the year, the school figured that out and asked me not to come back. So um, what I did during my freshman year of college uh, was my roommate and I, very similar, both asked to leave. Uh, We both prioritized really kind of two things. We prioritized eating and working out. And so what our our normal day would look like is we'd wake up in the morning and we'd go to breakfast and we'd eat healthily uh, and then we would go to the gym because our college spent $2 million right before we got there uh, purely on their fitness center and we were just, we didn't want to let that go to waste. So we did as much as we could in that room and we'd work out for three, four hours at a time. Then we go to lunch, have a great lunch, Then we go back to the weight room, work out three, four more hours. Then we go to dinner, and then after dinner, uh, this is where our paths diverged. Uh, I became a cheerleader, because why not? And he went back to his room, don't know what he did, but that's where we would, you know, kind of split for a moment. So I'd do cheerleading. We'd meet up again. We'd work out again. Uh, Then we'd go shower. Uh, We'd get dressed. We'd engage in some nighttime activities. Uh, Then we'd somehow end up at a restaurant. Usually it was Taco Bell, because y'all love Whataburger garbage, but we love Taco Bell, and so we would go there and have a wonderful meal, very healthy, nutritious, find some more nighttime activities to engage in, end up in our room, and start the day over again. Uh, And so our our days pretty much consisted of, you know, let's eat, let's work out, and do things that'll get us kicked out later. And it was a great time. It was a ton of fun. And we do this every day, every week. We did it for, what, 36 credit hours worth of college, all right? It was awesome. It was a great, great time. And then at the end of the year, we were asked to leave. Fast forward to now, all right? I'm not going to fill in any of the blanks between there and now. Fast forward to now, uh, I'm not working out as much as I once was. Uh, but my consumption is beginning to catch back up to where it was back then. Um, I, you know, I got a job, so that takes time away. Very rude. I got uh, a wife. Uh, I got a dog. Then I got a house. And I got a kid. Um, all of those things are taking my attention. And so I don't have as much time to go to the gym for four to seven hours a day, 
All right, I got to do other things. Um, but for whatever reason, God has blessed me with an appetite that continues to increase. And so uh, my Taco Bell meal, which I can say because I always get the exact same thing every time, uh, has moved. It, it went from this is what it was, and then it was cut in half. And so I was doing well. Uh, and now it's back to being double again. And so what that is, is that's two chicken quesadillas, the big ones, not the baby ones, because I'm a man. Uh, it's uh, two cheesy gordita crunches, and it's an order of chips and cheese. And if I'm feeling really good, I'll get a sweet tea or eliminate if I'm watching my weight. And so I will eat this, and if it was up to me, I'd eat it every day for lunch and dinner. Not breakfast. Talk about breakfast is trash. You guys got us there. But lunch and dinner is incredible, and I love it. And I would go there every day if it weren't for how much it cost, okay? Um, now, secondary to that is how terrible it is for me. Does anyone in here know what the average male is supposed to take in in calories in order to maintain their awesome figure they currently have? Any thoughts? Mr. Cop? 2,400. Okay, the website I looked at said 25, but I'll go with 24 and that's fine. Let me go ahead and share with you the number of calories that are in my typical Taco Bell meal. So, two chicken quesadillas at 520 calories each is 1,040. All right, if you've got your calculators, you can add these together. Two cheese gordita crunches are 480 each. All right, so what is that? 960. Great math. Good job, everyone. So, what are we at right now? Oh, we're a little over. Yeah, we're, we're actually at 2,100. Uh, and then you add in the chips and cheese, and you've got 310 right there. So, what is that at? 2,410. You are right. Easily making my weight right there. Uh, and if I ate it multiple times a day, that's, you know, that's almost, well, 5,000 calories. So I should be above and beyond going well. But the, the, the problem there is although my, my intake, my consumption continues to increase, I mean, you could even argue it maintains because financially, I'm not buying Taco Bell for lunch and dinner. Um, however, if any of you would like to treat. Um, but if I were, my consumption just continues and continues and continues but what am I doing with it? And in order for us to stay healthy in our physical lives, we have to be able to balance those things. You know, what you consume matches what you burn off. And that same sort of principle comes in our spiritual lives. What you're consuming, what you're taking in, what you're hearing, what you're spending time with, what you're, what, what you're prioritizing as you go to Bible class, you got to do something with it. And we talked about that a little bit last week, if you remember. In fact, I want to throw up Ephesians 2.10 for you one more time just to remind you about that activity that we are called to do. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so, for right here, right now, what I'd love for you to do is just think, you know, don't worry about raising your hand right now. I don't want to embarrass you. After last week's sermon, after we talked about how you were dead to sin, okay, dead to sin, Jesus raised you to life. Now go forth and share that with other folks. How many of y'all went out and shared that with other folks? Remember, keep it, keep it to yourself. I didn't. And if I had to guess, I would guess quite a few of us failed to do that as well. I would guess most of us, in fact, did not go out and accomplish the good works that God prepared for us in advance to do. That's a problem because we consumed. You know, we, we look at the church as a place to come and consume. And, and don't get me wrong, it is. But after you consume, you're called to do more. 
See, this is not just a gathering place for you to come and and take in more and more and to stuff your face more and more. It's a place for you to come and receive, to be filled, and then to go out and accomplish the mission. This is a place where, where all of us who are on mission are supposed to come together to see what God is doing and then to go make it happen out there. So what are you doing with what you consume? And to help guide us through this, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 5, going into Hebrews chapter 6, and we're going to see what the writer of Hebrews has to say about that, because in Hebrews, they, they do not sugarcoat anything. Uh, they just throw it right out at you, uh, and they want you to know that you're lazy, uh, you're kind of dull, um, and you're called to do something more. But in all of that, we're going to see what we're called to do, how we can even go out and accomplish it, and hopefully see how God, continuing to pour into our lives, is not pouring into your life to make you feel bad. He's pouring into your life to help you expand the kingdom of God. So if you want to open it at Hebrews chapter 5, that's great. We're going to start in verse 11, and here's how we're going to kick it off. If after this message, you feel the need to go home and read more of Hebrews, highly encourage you to read the first 10 verses of chapter 5 here. Because where we're going to start is right after the writer just spent 10 verses explaining in such a cool and awesome way the glory that is Jesus Christ as our high priest. The glory of Jesus Christ in the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was this king that in the Old Testament just popped out of nowhere, did some pretty awesome stuff, and then disappeared. All right, it's, it's argued that he has no beginning, no end. He is, he is this priest king that we cannot even fathom. And so they relate Jesus to him. Because Jesus has no beginning. Jesus has no end. Jesus is our priest and king to an extent that we can't even fathom. And so, just some glorious theology there. But then the writer just cuts himself off. And he jumps in right here with, there's much more we would like to say about this. He wants you to know more about it. He wants you to see more things that are going on here. But the problem is we're not ready for it. So, the rest of verse 11 goes like this. But it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Y'all feel uplifted? You're spiritually dull. You're refusing to listen to what God is saying to you because if you were truly listening to what God was saying to you, Josh wouldn't have to ask for you to get up on the roof and put the lights up there. You just do it because you'd be listening. I need to serve these people around me, and I know they want Christmas lights, and Pastor Josh is going to die if he's up there, so I got to go. All right, but when we're talking about being spiritually dull, it's not calling you stupid. All right, it's not saying you don't know enough. You know a ton. You know a lot. What being spiritually dull means is you're not doing anything with it. What the writer of Hebrews is saying is you're lazy listeners. And don't get confused when I say you're, I am including myself. Because all of us are. We are all lazy in our listening to what God's Word is saying. God's Word gives us a very clear direction, a very clear place to go. It shows us what we're supposed to do and also tells us what we're not supposed to do. All right? How many of y'all do everything you're supposed to do? Yeah? You don't. Stop nodding your head if you are. You're not doing it, okay? When it comes to, to Liz and I, all right, God has wired us to match each other quite well. But there's one area where neither of us have a real passion, all right, and that's washing dishes. It is the worst thing in the world, okay? Neither of us like to do it. If it was up to us, every day we'd eat a meal, it'd be on super nice plates, and we'd throw the plates away, all right, and we start over the next day. But again, similar to Taco Bell, financially, that's not reasonable. That's not a sustainable model of living. 
but we hate doing dishes. And there are often times where I'll be at work all day, and she's at home with, with the baby, uh, and she's doing a ton, but, you know, babies take up some attention. And I'll get home, and I'll see the dishes from dinner last night and from breakfast that morning, whatever Liz had for lunch, sitting in the sink. And, and what should I do there? What should I do? I should ask Liz to clean those because that's ridiculous that she's leaving them in there all day. She's home. That's ris- no, I should wash the dishes. I should serve my wife. I should give her this moment because of how much she's done. But do I? Do y'all wash the dishes? How about what we're not supposed to do, all right? The Scripture's very clear, all right? We're supposed to follow the laws. We're supposed to follow what Caesar has established over us. We're supposed to follow what the government has put over us, okay? And I know for a fact, that's kind of maybe a guideline for y'all right now because I drive on your freeways, all right? And I'm already speeding, and y'all are passing me, all right? Y'all clearly are doing things you're not supposed to be doing. And Scripture's very clear about what we're supposed to be doing there. So we know that we're lazy. We know that we fail. We know that we fall. But what this writer is trying to point out to us is, yes, you fall in so many other ways, but this one area where I want you to be focused on is are you sharing the message of grace? Are you sharing the gospel? Are you sharing the basic principles of Christianity? Because so many of us don't. And the biggest reason so many of us don't, well, we talked about fear last week, but this week is because we don't know. You don't actually know what those basics are. You don't actually know what it is that you're supposed to be saying. We, we like to say we do. And someone's like, do you know the gospel? And it's like, darn right I do. Well, you know, tell me about it because I, I don't know it. And then as soon as they're like, well, I don't know it, it's like, oh, oh, nope. Uh, sorry, I don't know it that well. Uh, I know it well enough to tell you that I know it, but as soon as you ask me to articulate it, I'm a little uncertain about that. Because how do you help that person who has no idea who Jesus is, who just engaged you and asked you, like, hey, what is this all about? As soon as you actually start to think through how would that conversation go, how many of you are like, I have it on point, I know exactly what I'm doing, here are the five bullet points that I'm going to hit, and here's exactly what I'm going to say, they're going to believe in Jesus, kingdom of God just expanded. How many of you are ready for that? I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I am. Primarily because you can't have a bullet list of converting people to Jesus. Everyone's unique. Everyone's wired differently. Everyone's been prepared in a different way for you to engage in their lives. You may not be prepared, but that's where we trust our God who's carried us this far to carry us a little further. And so with everything you're consuming, with all of the knowledge that you've been giving, with everything that you have experienced, what are you doing with it? So today what I want to do is I want to give us that foundation. I want to give us the basics. I want to give us the the, the minuscule things that will help us in just being able to remember what it is that we claim to believe. So that as you leave today, you, you have that, that, that basic understanding. And what the writer of Hebrews does is he kind of just, again, just kind of calls us all out. And so I want to make sure I get this right for you right now. Uh, verse 12, if you just take a look at that. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again and again the basic things about God's Word. And the writer of Hebrews is saying this to you in, in a real kind of negative way. All right, he's telling you, y'all suck. Get better. But what I want you to focus in on today is, you know what? If you suck, that's okay. 
Grace covers you. If you didn't realize you were messing up, that's okay. Grace covers you. And although the writer of Hebrews doesn't want to go back to the basics, I do. And I want us all to be on the same page so that we, as a mission here at Pilgrim, are all starting from the same place in order to figure out where is God taking us next. So in order to do that, we got to go back to basics. How many of y'all know the alphabet? Like English alphabet, this is not some seminary thing where I'm pulling Greek and Hebrew out on you. English alphabet, who feels confident? Yeah? Okay, good. I saw some quick hands. Some people don't want to get picked. That's fine. I got two words that I'm going to throw up on the screen for you right now, okay? Hopefully you get them. All right. What are the words? Mom and dad. Awesome. Yes. Okay, very cool. What letter do each of those words start with? M and D. Right. Okay, this is one where I need just one person who's feeling brave. Just one person. Okay. Gail over here. Gail, were you a teacher? All right, that might be okay. All right, so Gail, what sound does each of those first two letters make? Mo and duh? Exactly what I said. Both of those are wrong. I, I said the exact same thing. It's like, what, what is it? What is the M sound? M, obviously. It's mom, M. It makes sense. But if you teach someone who's never spoken English in their life that M makes the M sound, well, then you just change that word from mom to ma-a-ma. Right? You just change dad to da-a-da. Okay? If you can't understand the basic things about what we're trying to teach here, how are you supposed to teach others? In that same way, when we look at it, Gail, no offense, you fell into the trap that I was hoping to lay. Okay? Uh, <laughs> If you can't understand the basics of Christianity, how can you truly be expected to teach it? So when we claim we know the gospel, when we claim we know what it is that makes up our faith, do you really? So before we move forward, I do want to make sure that no one in this room just heard, oh, we're talking basics, I can tune out today. I'm going to go ahead and pop in my headphones uh, and listen to whatever garbage is on there right now. I want you to zero in on this because we cannot be reminded enough of what the basics are. Because what the writer of Hebrews has to say after this in 13 and 14 is, is he's just articulating exactly who we are. We who, who tend to tune out when it comes to maybe even slightly more difficult things. And in verse 13, what he calls us is, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. right? What does a baby do? A baby eats, a baby digests, a baby has an action that comes after digesting, and then a baby cries. What has that baby communicated to you about their faith in Jesus? nothing. So if all you can take in is milk, what are you communicating about your faith in Jesus? And so what we have to do is be able to understand that milk and understand where we're putting our focus and where we're consuming and where we're getting our stuff from in order to make sure that, that we've got that down. We understand that sits in my tummy nicely, all right? And now it's time to move on to something deeper so that you can reach people on a deeper level, so you can help people understand what's most significant to them because everyone's going to be different. And so in verse 14, it sums that up for us where it says, solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Do you see what's right and wrong? I would assume so. All right? We all know you shouldn't speed. We all know you should wash the dishes. We all know you should take the trash out. We all know you shouldn't give anybody the middle finger any, ever. We all know what we should and should not be doing. 
So are you living that life? Are you ready for the solid food? Are you content to just consume milk? So the milk is the basic principle or principles. And so in chapter 6, he dives right in and he just lays them out for you. What are the basics? What are the beginning points? And so here it is. So let us stop going over the basic teachings, which by the way, you may hear this now as being kind of a passive, passive moment where he didn't want us to spend time on this, but we're gonna. Because if we don't get this down, we can't take on the solid foods. We can't take on the call to action. We gotta understand these two. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need, again, this is passive-aggressive, surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Now, I highlighted them up on the screen for you today, the basic teachings, so hopefully you got them. How many of you already knew that was it? That was the basic. That was what it was. Okay. Well, good. Then we're in a good spot right now, all right? Repent from evil and believe in God. Those are your basics, all right? Repent and believe. So what do those mean? How do you sum those up? Why do we repent? Why do we take time? Excuse me. Why do we take time out of our lives in order to turn back from where we were going? Well, because God created us to be perfect, right? To follow him in all that we were doing. But then sin entered the world and we took a turn. We started going in our own direction, and so when we're called to repentance, we're called to turn back to God. We're called to turn back to Him, and that's what repent literally means, to turn back. But what are you also admitting in repenting? That you're wrong. How many of you are happy about admitting you're wrong? Just as many hands as before. We hate it. You don't want to have to tell someone, yeah, I messed up, that was on me. But that's what repenting is doing. Repenting is admitting that there is a problem. A problem to a magnitude that you may not fully understand. We talked about that last week. But repenting nonetheless is admitting, I need help. I need someone to step up here. Repentance is admitting that you have a problem. And faith is a belief that not only has the solution come, but the solution's coming again. Your faith is your solution to the problem that repentance is pointing out to you. The sin in your life has a solution, and that's Jesus. Jesus, who who went to the cross, who died for you, who rose again in order to declare his victory over sin, death, and the power of the devil so that you would know how loved you are. But once you know, once you've grown up on that milk, on that spiritual milk of repenting from evil and placing your faith in God, you're called to more mature things. You're called to greater things. You're called to consume more and more and more in order to do more and more and more. So what are you doing with what you consume? Jump down with me if you're following along to verse 11 and 12 because here is where the writer is mapping out what they believe they would like for you to do, what their greatest desire for you to do with all that you've consumed. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and their endurance. 
See, what the writer is doing here is summing up what we need to be doing, and that is loving our neighbor. And how do you love your neighbor? Build that relationship with them. When they're down, when they're, when they're questioning you, when they're asking, what, why do you keep going to that place? That's an opportunity for you to say, why, why do you go? Right? And you know what the right answer is? The right answer is actually why you go. All right, if you just come here because you want a, an hour to 90-minute break from the day and you just want to sit in this room and be able to be washed over by something that you're not in charge of, good! Because simply being present allows you to hear the Word of God even if you don't realize it's happening. What are you doing with what you're consuming? Are you using it to love others? Are you using it to share that hope that we have of an eternity of salvation with those around us? Are you living out the faith that you claim to have? Because so often we can fall into a trap. And the trap that we fall into is what this passage is warning us about today. And that trap is this idea that, that we need more, that we require more, that what we currently have is not good enough, that we need to continue to get more and more. And so what we think is, okay, well, obviously I need some more, so... I'm going to go to church, all right? I'm going to get me some church. Mm-hmm. Those going to be so good. Uh, it's good today. Josh is preaching. I like him way better. He's shorter. Mm. They're so good. And then we decide, you know what? I'm going to go to Bible class because Mr. Kopp is teaching, and he just throws a little bit of extra on there. So I'm going to just toss that on. I'm going to get me some of this. Oh, you bet. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get me that for sure. And then the dessert. Oh, it's small groups because you know. Catherine always brings her favorite little pie here, all right? Oh, and I already got some leftover from last time, so I'm going to just eat that one. Nah, mm, 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 mm. It's so good. I'll get cookies from Josh. I'll come to church, and he'll just hand out stuff, and it's all trash, and it's great, but I'm going to just keep eating it. Mm-hmm. And then what happens to us? You just keep consuming. You just keep getting more and more, and no longer are you this normal person. In fact, what's happening to you is you're just getting bigger and bigger. You're getting spiritually obese, and the thought is, well, I shouldn't have to do anything with what's going on, so I'll just keep getting bigger. I'll take up more row in my pew, and then our church is going to look so full because I'm going to fill everything. All right? We're all going to fit. It's going to be great. But what we don't realize here is that in continuing to consume more and more and more without working it off is, one, yes, you're going to get fat. You're going to get spiritually fat. Just like if I eat Taco Bell every, every meal, I'm going to get fat. But what you're also doing is you're ignoring the urgency. The urgency that there are some people out there who they have nothing to consume. They're looking for for, for something that'll fill them. They're looking for something that'll fill that hole inside of them. They're looking for something that's going to push them forward, that's going to get them through the next day. But they don't know what it is that will truly quench that thirst. And that's where we come in. Because you're being filled with that living water day in and day out. You're being filled with that spiritual meat and potatoes and and stuffing and pie and cranberry sauce and gravy and all that stuff. You're being given it time and time again so that you can just continue to be energized and filled in order to reach those people out there. But we lack urgency. We're lazy. We drag our feet because in our minds, well, Jesus didn't come yesterday. He's, He's not here right now. 
more than likely is not coming tomorrow, so I got time. You know, I'm going to keep learning more. I'm going to keep growing stronger in my own knowledge of my faith, and then eventually I think God will show me when I'm ready. Y'all, the time is now. There are people out there right here, right now, who need what you have. And they don't need the meat and potatoes stuff that you've come to grow in love. What they need is that spiritual milk to get them started. What they need to know is, is that there is a problem and it's okay to feel that way, but there is a solution in Jesus. For some of them, it'll be the first time they ever hear it. And for some of them, if we continue to drag our feet, they'll never get the opportunity to. In May of 2012, what significant event was supposed to happen? Does anybody know? The end of the world. The Mayan calendar ran out in May of 2012, right? And everyone was like, oh, obviously the Mayans are God, so they know when the world's going to end. So there were a bunch of tweets and Facebook posts and stuff. Where's the party at tonight? Let's go do stuff. It's the end of the world. We might not be here tomorrow, so let's go live our dreams. But what happened? We went to bed and we woke up. Obviously, we're here. But not everybody did. Every day, millions of people die. Millions of people who hopefully knew what you know. Millions of people who, who just needed a little bit of that life-giving water. Y'all were, were here when God broke me down in front of y'all when my cousin's one-year-old passed away. And I thank him every day that my cousin and, and his wife prioritized getting him baptized, prioritized reading those stories with him, prioritized immersing him in Scripture. But there are so many people in this world, they don't have someone who's doing that for them. They don't have someone who's willing to give up their time, talent, and energy and comfort in order to share with them what they've been given. And what this writer is warning us of is falling into that same trap, of falling into a pattern of, of merely consuming everything in sight without working it off. You see, we, we don't talk about how God fills our cup to, to just below the top, and that's it. No, God fills your cup to overflowing. God's always going to give you more. God's always going to provide you more of that milk, more of that spiritual meat, more of all that stuff that you could possibly want. You have more than enough to share with those around you. The urgency of sharing the message of grace is higher than it's ever been. Every second that we live, we're one second closer to the end of the world. But this is a warning because I see the things that Pilgrim is a part of. I see the things that Pilgrim is moving towards. I see the things that Pilgrim wants to be a part of and the, the passionate people who want to build up a ministry, who want to share the message of Jesus with people, who want to let people know, yes, there's a problem. It is a big problem, but I'm going to love you through it just like God loved me through mine. And so the last thing I want to share with you today is the same thing that the writer of Hebrews shared to his people in 6 verse 9. And this is really just summing up that all of this was a warning. But dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. 
We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. You see, what he's saying here is it seems like, oh, thank God I'm off the hook. I don't have to do anything. But really what he's doing is throwing it back in your face. We know you know better. We know you're going to take on the mission of God. And so what I challenge you with today is knowing that you've been forgiven, knowing that you've been loved, knowing that you've been provided with everything you could possibly need for this life and the next. Will you take on the mission that God has called you to? Or are you just going to keep stuff in your face? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the incredible gift of grace and peace and mercy that you have given to us, that you have provided us with an opportunity to come into this place to be spiritually fed by you. And Lord, as we consume today, as we consume worship, as we consume the Word, as we consume your body and blood, Lord, we ask you to just help us to take that energy, to take those calories, to take that spiritual consumption and to go out and accomplish those works that you've prepared in advance for us to do. Lord, there's so many people in this world who simply do not know who you are. And Lord, we ask you to help us to change that, to help us to to pour into these people's lives and to help share that spiritual milk that you've given to each and every one of us, that there is a problem, that this world is broken, but that there is a solution who's come and who has promised to return. And Lord, I just ask you to please fill us all with your Spirit, fill us all with your grace, and push us forward to accomplish those works, to seek and save the lost that you have planned in advance for us to engage with. Lord, we love you, and it's in the name of your Son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.